There we go. There we go. All right. Um, it's 5.58, and I'd love for you to meet me at 2 Samuel um, chapter 6. Um, I hope and pray that your Sunday was well. It is my prayer that um, your Monday is even better. Um, as, as I know, uh, many of you are at work right now. Uh, in route to work right now, and some of you, or most of you, are still in the bed right now. Um, in the name of Jesus, I'm praying for the spirit of awakeness so that you can't go back to sleep even after you get off of this phone call. How about that? Um, mm -hmm. Just give you energy. We don't know where it came from. Kim, if you're there, yeah, I'm praying for that for you as well. Kim Proctor, that is. Hey, Kim Mitchell. Uh, listen, all right. We got some. We got some sleepy heads that are still not have not chimed in yet. Miss five fifty nine. We're only at twenty four, uh, but we're about to press and proceed. Um, there's something I'm forgetting to share with you, but um, I want to uh, call your attention to Second Samuel chapter six. Uh, I'm hoping um, if you did if you didn't get a chance to. Um, chime in yesterday, um, and even if you did, uh, there's something about uh, yesterday's word, um, the weapons of mass destruction, that I love for you to uh, go back and just reread and um, allow to sit with you some more. Um, that's something that I'd love to revisit myself. So uh, the goal about these uh, these devotions are not just a one. Uh, one day, one thing. So uh, there's something that we talked about uh, the first day or the second day. These are things that uh, we're hoping, and it's the prayer that you apply in your lives daily, not just uh, for today or just for yesterday. So uh, I'm making these things available on my website, and I'd love for you to go there uh, to at least download and re-listen to some of these things. It's my prayer that you've been increasing your devotional time, your private time, your prayer time, um, that you're journaling, that you're writing things down, because if you do not have a pen or, or something to write with and something to write on, then you're telling God that I'm not expecting uh, to hear from you, and that is not the case with you, my people. I know that you want to hear from God. Uh, if you will, join me for prayer. Bow your heads or close no, you don't even don't worry about closing your eyes because you're gonna get sleepy. Alright, y'all, let's let's just pray. Lord, thank you for this day. We thank you for um, your Holy Spirit. We thank you for um, discipline. We thank you for uh, this this period of fasting and for the fellowship and the community uh, as we've come together to uh, just um, be friends with one another, to be able to fellowship with one another, even on a conference call. God, we thank you for opportunities to just grow. So, Lord, we're praying that your Holy Spirit be with us today, that you open our hearts, our minds, our ears, and as we uh, prepare to hear from you, uh, we're praying, God, that you order our steps today, that you help us to apply your word to our lives today. We thank you in advance. You know uh, the heart's desires. You know the prayers of your people. And I'm praying, God, that you, uh, that you answer prayers today according to your will. 
We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, all right. Look, we're going to uh, go to 2 Samuel chapter 6. This is an, an unorthodox for me, um, an unorthodox word. Um, it comes from a, some devotion, uh, my private devotion. Uh, it was brought to my attention as God revealed to me even with uh, my discipleship group. Um, but the Lord brought me back there, and I just want to share with you some things that he has been sharing with me. Uh, unlike some of the other words where it was just specifically, hey, this is what God is saying. This is just what God is kind of saying to me, and maybe uh, you can apply it uh, to your life, just kind of giving you uh, insight into some of my, my private time. Second um, Samuel chapter 6. Um, what's taking place, you ask? Um, the Ark of there is there is something in the Bible in the Old Testament called the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant is this um, this crate, so to speak, that housed the presence of God. And in the Old Testament, the tabernacle was where the people went to worship or to experience or to be in the presence of God, and the tabernacle was always being moved. There was not a temple that was like a fixture, like a building. There was a tabernacle that was all, it was like a camp. It was always being transported and moved. And inside of the tabernacle was this Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant was where the presence of God resided. Now, of course, God is omnipotent, omnipresent, meaning that God is everywhere at one time. So how can God be located at this specific place? Uh, That's a good, good question. Uh, God wanted to be in the presence of his people. He wanted to be in, in, in intimate fellowship with them, and so he allowed them to create this, um, this, this fixture where um, and I'll give you the passages so you can go back and read where you can locate his presence. And that's why it was called the Holies of Holies. And, and not just anyone could go into the Holies of Holies. You had to prepare yourself to be able to go into the Holies of Holies. That's why the priest, the high priest, was the only one that was able to go in there on behalf of the people because this is where the presence of God was. And you had to make sure you did all of these different rituals, these rites, just and make sure that you were cleansed before you can go into the presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God, the Ark of God is where the it was where the presence of God was, and you had to be very careful how you transported the Ark of the, the Ark of the Covenant. And so we're in Second Samuel because the Ark of the Covenant, um, under the leadership of Saul, had gotten displaced, and for twenty years. Or actually, 40 years, the entire reign of King Saul, the Ark of the Covenant, um, did not, did not. It was, it was not with him. He did not carry the Ark of the Covenant, and so uh, that's something to talk about another day. But now that King David is king, um, the Ark of the Covenant had been at a person's house by the name of Abinadab. It had been there for. Uh, over 20 years, and, and David knew it was time to get the Ark of the Covenant because God's presence needed to be with his people. Um, and so we're looking at Second Samuel chapter 6 because now King David is in the process of transporting the Ark of the Covenant, which housed the presence of God. He's taking it from Abinadab's house, and he's bringing it to Jerusalem. Now, I will give you some passages um, when we finish 
So you can go and read in Exodus how you had to specifically transport the Ark of the Covenant. You couldn't just pick it up with your hands. You couldn't just carry it just all willy-nilly. There was a process. There was there was root, there was ritual. And so we'll find in, in Exodus and in Numbers that God said, listen, this is how if you're going to move the Ark of the Covenant, this is how you should move it. All this is relevant because something happens as they are moving the Ark of the Covenant that I believe God wants to reveal to you as he's revealing to me today. Let's read. Then, then David again gathered all the elite troops in Israel, 30,000 in all. He led them to Bala of Judah to bring back the Ark of God, the Ark of the Covenant, right? which bears the name of the Lord of Heaven's armies, who is enthroned between the cherubim. Cherubim are the angels that were, were the only things that were able to be in the presence of God. We'll talk about that another day, the cherubim. They placed the ark of God on a new cart, a new cart, um, and brought it from Abinadab's house, which was on a hill. Uzzah... That's the name we want to focus on. And Ahio, Abinadab's sons, were guiding the cart that carried the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark that housed the presence of God. They were trying to bring the presence of God, which was located at someone's house. We'll talk about the presence of God being displaced in your life another day. Um, Ahio walked in front of the Ark. And David and all of the people of Israel were celebrating before the Lord, singing songs and playing all kinds of musical instruments, lyres, harps, tambourines, castanets, whatever a castanet is, and cymbals. They were excited, you all, because this was a momentous occasion in the life of the people of Israel because they are now recovering the presence of God in their lives, and they're now transporting the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, from one place to the place in Jerusalem where we understand the presence of God to be. But something happens as they're carrying this cart which houses the presence of God. It says, but when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nikon, the oxen stumbled. The oxen who were with the ox, the oxen which were carrying the crate that was carrying the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God. The, the, the oxen stumbled. And Uzzah reached out his hand and steadied the Ark of the Covenant, according to another translation. He reached out his hand and took hold of the Ark of the Covenant. Then the Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him dead because of this, because he reached out his hand and he, and he held on to the Ark of God to keep it from stumbling. So Uzzah died right there beside the ark of God. I know some of you all are like, what in the world just happened? Right? And so I was looking at this text, um, and some of my D group brought it to my attention, but God had kind of brought me back here and just looking at what happened. And in my private devotion, God revealed to me two things, two things, two things, T-H-E-M-E-S, that are at the center of this passage. One is learning how to fail better and the need to be in control. Two things that, that are permeating 
uh, percolating in this text are, is um, learning how to fail better. I know that sounds oxymoronic. It doesn't make sense. But learning how to do a better job uh, failing because we don't like to fail, right? We don't like to fail. We, we hate to, to, to fail at something. We hate to fail. We hate to lose. And then the need to be in control. Two things in this text. Uzzah was faced with a dilemma. The animal that was carrying God stumbled. God's presence, God's power, and God's prestige was about to take a fall. Uzzah, he was right there, though. He was right there to help God. Should, he, should, should, should I reach out and, and catch God, or should I just turn my head? But, 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 but if I don't help, then the case, then the crate that's carrying God could break. And if it breaks, it, it can become permanently damaged. This is, this is what's going on in Uzzah's head. But the Lord revealed to me a couple of errors in, 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 in Uzzah. One, what you don't realize is no one was supposed to touch the, the, the Ark of the Covenant. When we look at some passages I'll give you for homework, if you want to be able to read that in Exodus and in Numbers, I'll give that at the end. But no one under any condition was supposed to touch the Ark of the Covenant. God said, look, I am holy, and you cannot and you should not under any circumstance touch the Ark of the Covenant. He told them this. He told them this in Exodus chapter 25, verses 10 through 22, and in Numbers chapter 4. I'll give that to you again at the end. So, Uzzah knew this, everyone understood this, but you were not supposed to touch the presence of God or the Ark of the Covenant. And so, so, so God revealed to me some errors in Uzzah. One, he thought too highly of himself to think that he could save God. He did not, too, he did not trust God to be God. Just follow me. And three, he took control out of the hands of God. And when we look at this text, what I believe God was sharing to me, sharing with me, is that sometimes you have to allow things to fall apart in your life. Sometimes you have to allow things to break. Sometimes you need to trust God with things you can't control. There are some things in your life you need to stop touching. I know you had good intentions, but because you but, but because you keep touching that situation, you're going to get hurt. Someone's going to get hurt. When you are unable to lose control, we've been talking about this, loose, losing control, loose control. When you're unable to lose control in your life, you're in fact trying to play God. And God does not need your help in being God. What are you saying? The simple subject I'm trying to help you with today is you are out of control. You're out of control. You're, you're out of control. Because get this, if Uzzah, if God had allowed Uzzah to catch the Ark of the Covenant, which housed his presence, then who was to say that Uzzah wouldn't have left there 
walking through the town, patting himself on the back and, and, and saying, if it was not for me, God would have fallen. If God had allowed Uzzah to get away of, of catching the Ark of the Covenant, then he would have walked away thinking that I came to God's rescue. God needs my help. But see, many of us are just like Uzzah and we don't even realize it. We get in the habit of trying to play God in our own lives because we must always be in control. When we look at our life, we often take control out of the hands of God. Believe it or not, believe it or not, we think too highly of ourselves. We think that if, if, if our hands are not in something, it's not going to be done the way it needs to be done. So therefore, we have to always be in control in various things in our lives. You're, you're out of control is what I'm trying to encourage you. And, 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 and many of us are like Uzzah because we have a hard time trusting God with the outcome in certain situations in our lives. We have to keep touching things when we should be letting them go. Yes, yes, Uzzah was in a situation. He was in a dilemma. Either you let the Ark of the Covenant fall or you keep it from falling yourself. But God told you that he is God. God has shown you he's in control. So if God is in control and God has already told you to stop touch or to never touch or to move out and not to be in control, why would you reach out and touch it anyway? Why do you feel the need that you have to be in control? He made a mistake. Because he thought too highly of himself, and it was a reaction, and he had great intentions, but great intentions doesn't mean you won't get hurt. So my question, my question, my simple question to you is this. What situation in your life are you holding on to that you should be letting go? What are you trying to control in your life that you need to be entrusting into the care of God? Your inability to trust God with the results in the face of uncertainty is stunting your growth. You're behaving like Uzzah. Yeah, I'm not talking about your good intentions. What I'm saying is God doesn't need your help being God. I don't care if the oxen stumbled. I don't care if situations look bleak. God has all power. Therefore, God doesn't have a hard time being God. He's never had a hard time being God. And you have to learn how to relinquish control and give control, put control back in the hands of God and stop trying to control everything in your life. You are behaving like Uzzah, and you have to do a better job at failing. You have to do a better job at relinquishing control to God. You have to do a better job at trusting God with the outcome on your job, in your relationships, in your family. Do what's required of you, Uzzah, but make sure that you don't try to be God in your situation. One, I remind you of this. God doesn't need your help being God. Two, Sometimes things in your life need to fall apart before they begin to fall in place. And three, sometimes you need to take your hands off of situations and allow God's will to unfold. I say it again. One, 
God doesn't need your help being God. I don't care how the situation looks. Two, sometimes things in your life need to fall apart before they begin to fall in place. And three, sometimes you need to take your hands off of situations and allow God's will to unfold. Today you got to make the decision to give control back to God. You need to find simple ways in your, in, in your day in, in ways that you can relinquish control. Because I love to be in control. Things got to be done a certain way, so I got so I got to have my hands on it, and I have to personally learn how to stop being in control of everything. Because there's only one God, and it's not me, and it's not you. And Uzzah made that mistake. He knew he wasn't supposed to touch the Ark of the Covenant, but he did anyway. There's some things in your life you know you need to stop touching, but you're touching it anyway. There's some things that you're laying hold to, you're holding on to, when you should be letting go. It's my encouragement today that God uh, speaks to you and God reveals to you those areas of your lives that you need to pull back from, you need to let go, you need to release, you need to relinquish control, whatever areas of your life it may be. I'm praying that, you, that you're no longer oozer. May God be with you. May God bless you. And may God allow you to, um, to feed on his word throughout today. I hope and pray that you have a wonderful, wonderful day. Amen. See you all later. And for those of you who, everyone, you're, you're free to go. You're free to go. For those of you who need the passages, uh, Exodus chapter 25, uh, verses 10 through 22 uh, it gives you more information on the Ark of the Covenant and what that looked like and how God gave them the rules on how to transport, how to enter into the tabernacle. Uh, also, I want you to look at Numbers chapter 4, uh, verse 15. Numbers chapter 7, verse 9. You're released to go. I just want to make sure I give other people who wanted some some more reading uh, to be able to look. Again, I know someone's asking, Exodus chapter 25, verses 10 through 22, Numbers chapter 4, verse 15, Numbers chapter 7, verse uh, 9. I'm thinking... Yes, so thank you. You all have a good day. Get out of here. I know y'all got to get to work. Thank you. All right. Bye bye. Eloquent, eloquently spoken, bro. <laughs> I appreciate you. I'm already at work. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. Have any questions? Anybody? Anything you want to share? You need to um, about today? Anything? No. Yes, ma'am. You do the same. All right. Look, I love y'all with the love of Christ. Y'all make sure y'all have a good day. Good day today. You too. Okay. Peace.